Welcome. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Allen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. So summer's approaching. Yay! I know that's hard to believe at times here in Wisconsin. Mom nature has to step up and get with the program of when the one season ends and another begins, right? We Wisconsinites know that we have some really great things going on here. Okay, so weather is not always one of those things unless you like extremes and things changing from one day to the next. But as far as people stepping up and helping in a variety of ways, we really have that going on here. And we want to celebrate that. We want to let people know what's going on in our nonprofit sector. We want to make people aware of all the great things that are, that these nonprofits are doing and how they can be a a part of something bigger than themselves. Education is a key factor in this, not only giving nonprofits an opportunity for their voices to be heard, but also to provide them with some education along the way as well. Today, our topics for discussion are gainful employment and education, which go hand in hand, right? First, we'll talk with a nonprofit about how they're helping military personnel find jobs in the healthcare field. And then we'll also talk to an organization that's providing education and helping that same nonprofit and others to be the best that they can be. My first guest today is Laura Hanaski, Executive Director of Heroes for Healthcare, whose mission is to be a resource for our military during their transition to civilian life to find a great job in the area of healthcare. Welcome to the show today, Laura. Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much for inviting me today to share our mission and cause. We are excited to share with our listeners all the great things you got going on there. Um, actually, lots of great veteran nonprofits in our community and I've I've uh, interviewed a number of them on the show but your service or the service that your nonprofit provides is help for 10,000 unemployed veterans in Wisconsin of whom a little over 8,000 of them actually have health care backgrounds you help them get hopefully a number of those 23,000 health care jobs that open up monthly nationwide Staggering statistics for sure. What what inspired you to get involved with this? Well, going back um, many years, I um, my my whole life has been in healthcare, and so it's obviously something that's very passionate um, and dear to my heart. Um, I own a medical staffing company um, for the past eighteen years, and through that company, Premier Medical Staffing, um, I've been able to actually discover this this situation that we have so many of our veterans and military that are struggling with transition finding health care jobs on the civilian side and so um, when um, when we started with premier and we were working with the federal government we um, used to go to job fairs um, around the country um, at Department of Defense facilities and try to hire our servicemen as they were coming off of active duty. And unfortunately, none of the credentials um, match up to the civilian side. So as they're coming out thinking they're job ready, they're truly not. Um, and and so at that point, we, we kind of discovered that we needed to take a step further to um, – figure out a way to be helpful to our community. And you were saying that um, you shared with me these statistics that uh, over 10,000 unemployed veterans in Wisconsin, and of that 10,000, there's over 8,000 of them that have health care backgrounds. 
it's really staggering numbers. Um, they, we have a lot of medics and corpsmen um, that have phenomenal skill sets, training, um, life-saving techniques, and um, we're just not able to, um, we're not tapping into the, this resource that we have. Mm-hmm. And we have such a shortage in nursing, and it's not just here in Wisconsin. It's it's an issue across the nation. And so we're really looking at that bigger picture as well and trying to figure out how we can make a difference big picture so um, everybody is um, really more on a level playing field. So as they're coming off active duty and going through transition, there are opportunities available. Hmm. And you provide a, a gap. You know, you, there's a gap there that you're, you're providing, right? Right. Well, we're trying to close that gap. So as the... Um, servicemen are are coming out they're realizing that um, they don't hold the credentials that they need they're not um, um, they don't have all of the complete education that qualifies them to take a state license so we look at um, everything that they've done over the um, period of time that they've been in the military and we try to figure out what pieces are that they're missing and put that puzzle together for them. So they may be um, a few credits short of getting a state license. They may be a little bit short of a certification. And uh, we try to um, help them expedite getting those resources, um, putting them back in school, um, uh, signing them up and and paying for uh, a certification for them so they can get out in the field and work quickly. I mean, I think a big big piece of this is they need to be able to come home and receive gainful employment, feel valued in the community again, like they did when they were in the service and, and be able to be, you know, independent, you know, and when they come back now, there's a lot of depression, a lot of rejection Mm -hmm. from job opportunities, um, which leads to, unfortunately, the fact that we have a very high rate of depression, drug and alcohol abuse, suicide rates. And we we really want to stay away from that. And it's, um, it kind of hurts my heart that we see so much of that happening to people who've served our country and, and done so much for us. It's a, right. it's a great way to give back. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were saying that you're nationwide. We do. We have soldiers call us from all over the country. I've had a few from Germany call. Um, nice. So interesting. Um, to provide them jobs in Germany or to see if there are any jobs here in the United States for them to come here? Both. Um, okay. So, um, and again, wanting to know what what pieces they need left to complete in order to be job ready on transition. So they're stationed in Germany and they're coming back to the United States. You know, what, what do I need? Can you look at my transcripts now? Can, can I start that process of getting job ready? So at transition or, um, once they're, um, done with the service that they don't have a big lag time of, of unemployment. And you know, we had talked about this before about why why is that? I mean, no, the, the military knows that the the men and women are qualified. Can't they implement something so that when they come out, they do have some kind of certification process, which then prepares them to uh, to get a job, you know, in uh, on the civilian side. It'd be nice if they did. However. Um one of my colleagues and I traveled down to um, Joint Base San Antonio in Texas, and that is the biggest medical training facility for all the branches of the military. And um, as we went through their their training facilities and their, their schools and talked to the higher-ups, their, their facility is amazing, state-of-the-art, just 
beautiful, beautiful um, where they're learning. And we, we talked to the people who were the hires in charge are kind of um, really against the whole um, getting them licensed or certified. Uh, and when, when we kind of um, picked at them as far as trying to get answers, um, the answer that we received back was, you know, they don't really want them to get certified or licensed because that gives them an opportunity to leave the military. And oh now gosh. they've invested time, effort, and money into um, training these young men and women and getting them these great skills. If they have that ability to be functional on the civilian side, they are going to be more apt to leave. And I said, you know, at, at some point they are going to leave. Yeah. And they're really up a creek without a paddle, you yeah, know. And yeah. so um, there's, it doesn't seem that there's going to be any great way to reverse that. So what we have to do on on our end, on the civilian side, is actually um, try and change legislation so that we are giving a buffer for our men and women who are coming out. So if they come out and they have a specific background in healthcare, giving them an opportunity to get a job based on their experiences and their transcripts right. and giving them a three or four month time to either get the certifications and licenses that they need or go back to school for higher education. Um, but we, we need to figure out a way to accommodate them on our side because we're not going to change the government, but we can change the way the state thinks about um, making them be viable candidates on the civilian side. So do does Heroes for Healthcare provide uh, the funding for them to go get all this additional education in addition to them finding the job? I mean, that's the goal, right? So we provide as, as much as we can. Okay. Um, and all any any money that we fundraise and donate is all goes right back to our soldiers. There's, we don't have them pay for any of our services. We, it's a give back. Um, however, if they have their GI bill, we have them use that their GI bill for those things, but that only covers credits. So it doesn't cover gas, parking, mm. utilities, groceries. Yeah. If you have a family heat, if you're going back to school full time, life still happens. Right. And so it doesn't cover, it doesn't even cover books. Mm. So we have some soldiers in school now or veterans that um, we pay their books for and we help them out financially because um, they, they need to complete school in order right. to get back on their feet. Right. Yeah. And then the end goal there is, is is ideal. You, know, right. you get them educated, you get them certified, and then they find a job. One of the right. over 23,000 healthcare jobs <laughs> that open up monthly. There's plenty out there. Absolutely. Well, we need to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to learn more about what services specifically Heroes for Healthcare provides transitioning soldiers and veterans. We'll be back in a moment. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community. With your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Laura Hanaski from Heroes for Healthcare. I want to make sure to take a moment here, first of all, to thank all of our veterans for their service. I think they've made such a great sacrifice, and we need to first acknowledge that and also be sure that we show our appreciation and support in some way. Laura, you see quite a bit of iniquity, if you will, in the in the services that veterans receive in the in the way of unemployment. What are some of the services specifically that you provide veterans as they're transitioning? Well, um, Joe, we provide about um, five different services that 
we call them five services. Um, certainly we can do more. Um, our goal is to really help them in whatever they need. But um, we start with um, a pretty intense consultation, um, which is, you know, getting a as much background information, um, receiving records that we need. Um, we need uh, their joint transcripts, any other transcripts from college, their um, discharge forms, um, health records, different things that they would need to work in the healthcare world. Um, and we try to, to find out um, their their background, what they did when they were in the military, and really where they want to go. So what, what do you want to be when this process is done? Um, is there a job title that you're looking for? Uh, do you just want to be working at the same level you were when you were in the military? So it's really all about what their needs are. And uh, we try to find out, you know, family size, monthly income, because we do try and be philanthropic, and we we – we can't help everybody given the amount of funding that we that we have, but we want to help people who we know truly need it. You know, if you have six mouths to feed in your in your household and you're the main breadwinner and you need to go back to school, something's got to give, right? And right. that's going to be us. So we have to figure all those things out um, in order to put somebody on a plan that's going to be successful. Sure. Um, then we have an education component um, where we really put that roadmap together based on what they've already completed in the military or prior to the military, what pieces of education they're they're missing, and then expedite um, with a school a plan to get them um, completed uh, those those classes or extra credits that they may need. And so uh, we try to um, have the least amount of downtime or repetitive classes. Um, we don't want people to have to redo anything that they've done in the military. And is there any way they can get credit for what they've done already? There are schools that will acknowledge classes. There are people who've taken um, like anatomy and physiology in the military. Okay. There are programs that will give them credit for it. Like they can test out of it. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. So we try to do that. We try to also work with um, yellow ribbon schools. We work a lot with um, Herzing University because they have a lot of programs. They have, they're in multiple states. And so we, um, we work with schools that are very veteran friendly. Uh, meaning that they will um, often, if they run out of their GI Bill, they will um, often um, give a very large discount to any rest of their education fees. And is that what Yellow Ribbon School mm-hmm. means? Okay. Right, I right. I aware of that. Okay. Um, and then we have uh, employment prep um, workshops um, and things that we do. So we'll go over and tweak a resume or give you p- um, pointers on a resume, um, interviewing skills, um, um, job hunting techniques, uh, just um, different ways to help be successful um, on the civilian side because working um, in a civilian hospital is definitely different than a Department of Defense or a Veterans Hospital. Mm-hmm. So really trying to provide um, that prep to be successful. Um, and then we, we utilize uh, a service um, for job placement. And uh, a lot of those opportunities um, I actually pull from um, my um, mother company, if you will, Premier Medical Staffing. Um, they have um, job placement opportunities all over the country. So we'll often market um, a soldier then to or a veteran to um, those facilities that we have relationships with mm-hmm. um, for direct placement because they do need a real regular job. They need insurance benefits. They need all of that. So they need to be direct hire. Mm-hmm. So I'm just 
sort of using some of those assets from Premier. As opposed to being a temporary employee. You Correct. Mean. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. And then, um, so we help with that. And then we have the philanthropic component, which, you know, um, we try to help as much as we can. Um, and again, it's based on um, some of the numbers as far as monthly income, people and family, you know, what, what they really all need from us. Um, so we try to um, be fair and, and spread the amount that we have amongst multiple people so that um, we can help as many people as possible. Yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Do you have uh, success stories for like uh – soldiers or veterans going on to become doctors or are typically they in the nursing? Um, not so much doctors. A lot of times doctors in the military are doctors before they go in the military. Right. Um, but we definitely have success stories. Um, I have a gentleman who um, actually the first uh, first soldier that we worked with, he was still in the reserves. Um, he was in the army for about 14 years and uh, was in the reserves and came to us looking for an opportunity, did not have any credentials. And, um, Isn't that amazing? After 14 years. Right. Wow. Right. Yeah. So we, um, we tested him out and um, were able to get him a, a medical assistant job. Um, we're able to get a local hospital to hire him um, basically within 24 hours. Um, we're able to get him insurance next day because he needed that because wow. he had two little kids at home. Mm-hmm. And so um, now he's in surgery and um, a tech in surgery and going back to school to get his RN degree. Interesting fact, this gentleman was, um, when he was in the military, he went through LPN school and completed it in its entirety twice oh and was goodness. not provided an opportunity to take a state license test. Oh. So, um, how does that happen? My uh, goodness sake. I'd love to know. <laughs> yes. I'd wow. love to know. Inquiring minds want to know, right? Right. That's crazy. But uh, we do have other soldiers that are in school currently, some that are in uh, jobs, some that are still on that journey. So, and they're all over the country, um, some here in Wisconsin, but uh, Texas is a big state for us, the Carolinas. Okay. Um, so, uh, we do have uh, multiple people that are going through our program and, and showing success. And, it's a good feeling to know that you're helping somebody get to their, their dream job or their end goal. Absolutely. Especially someone who sacrificed so much. Exactly. Right. I mean, we, sometimes we, we take that for granted or maybe we don't even think about it. You know, they're sacrificing years and years of their life to provide security and safety for us. And when they come back after all that experience they've had, they can't even transition that into a, a, a way that they can get gainful employment. That's just crazy. That's crazy. Well, what can we do to help? How can we lend support? Um, there's multiple ways. We're always looking for um, people to volunteer um, their time to help with events or different things that we have going on. Every fall we do a ride. Uh, we have a few other things going on um, this year. So it's easy to go to our website and um, just log on. Uh, there's a way to contact me through that. There's a way to um, just, you know, a message through there. Um, donations are huge. We have a support a soldier campaign. You can choose a, a soldier or a veteran that you want to help, or you can donate just in general. And everything that um, 
Heroes takes in is provided or given back to our soldiers. So nice. whether it's in books or certifications, it costs about two hundred dollars um, a person to provide them the certifications they need to work. Um, books vary from you know a couple hundred dollars a semester typically for an individual. Um, there's it can be a piece of that helps or it can be a, a whole a whole chunk of that you know and that's neat that you can you know i think about how we sponsor children overseas you know with all their needs and so you can people can call in and say i want to sponsor a veteran and you they just provide whatever it is that veteran needs then to get through the certification process or the process whatever that happens to be Mm -hmm. that's great that's great every bit helps i have a lovely woman who out of michigan who who donates five dollars a month to us Mm. to use however and um that adds up i mean every little bit adds up because you know they need it yeah and that's the message that uh, one of the many messages that we're trying to get out on the on the show is that everybody can help everybody can do something uh time talents resources you know they you can donate somehow some way so so if someone knows a veteran or a veteran is listening and they want to start the process what do they do do they go to your website do they reach out to you what what's the process so they can go to our website um heroesforhealthcare.org or they can call me. Um, our phone number is on our website. Um, I have a eight uh, eight hundred num- number they can call me. Um, email. There's uh, any number of ways. Um, but I typically get all of those messages. They come directly to me, um, and so I will. I respond within typically about two or three hours. Um, to anybody that contacts me or reaches out. Wow, nice response time. Yeah. So <laughs> heroesforhealthcare.org. Correct. They can find out all the information they right. need to there. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, standing in the gap and helping our veterans who so desperately need someone to walk alongside them at times in their civilian life. So thank you, Laura, for all that you do. Thank you. And community awareness is huge. Just tell somebody about us. Um, everybody knows a veteran and the more we can spread that the word, um, the more we can help. And I can't help without, I can't help people without them knowing about us. So, um, I appreciate this very much to be able to help get this, our word out and our, our mission. You're certainly welcome. You're certainly welcome. There are over 53,000 nonprofit organizations in the 72 counties in Wisconsin. Milwaukee, obviously, with the most at over 10,000, and Dane County is in second place here with over 6,600. Sometimes the nonprofit is a large organization with internal resources available to them for things like education and ongoing support, but there are a number of small grassroots nonprofits that don't have internal resources and who have limited budgets for continuing education. In fact, over 50% of all nonprofits have budgets under $1 million. So stay tuned to hear about an organization that is available to help. We'll be right back. You're listening to EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's Philanthropic Community. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach. I don't know about you, but I was surprised to hear that we have over 53,000 nonprofit organizations in Wisconsin. Lots of potential to work with here. My next guest is Rob Meeksons, Executive Director of the Nonprofit Academy of Wisconsin. Thank you for being here with us today, Rob. Thanks, Jill, for having me. 
I'm not so sure you're surprised by the over 53,000 <laughs> nonprofit organizations in the state because yeah. you've been involved with the sector for a while, right? I have been doing a lot of work in the sector for, oh gosh, uh, a lot of years. I guess I'm a lifer in the sector. You can kind of call it that. Okay. Starting out in uh, theater in New York City way back when. Oh, wow. Okay. And it was a nonprofit theater. I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but it was a nonprofit and have been staying in the sector ever since. Okay. And where did you come from? Way back when, I mean, where was I born? No, um, <laughs> I'm actually originally from New York City, and that's where my career started. So oh, I, I don't New detect York. a New York accent well, at I all. Well, I can do that if you want. <laughs> but, you know, over the Where's years, your so, car out there yeah, in the parking lot? Right. <laughs> right, absolutely. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, yeah, so that's where I started out. Was in New York uh, doing theater there, and then eventually went to Albany, New York, and did a theater there, and then came here to Milwaukee to actually work at Milwaukee Rep. And that's what brought us to this community. Okay. And we decided to stay and have kind of moved into doing more, instead of service delivery, instead of a program like a theater or anything like that, moving more and more into consulting and working with the individual nonprofits in the sector. Okay. And where were you before the Nonprofit Academy of Wisconsin? I've been a consultant for a number of years. I had a firm called Forward Steps Consulting. It's still active, but... Um, fading away now. Um, and then I've also been working with the Nonprofit Center of Milwaukee, which is an organization that no longer exists, and before that with BoardStar. Um, so we've been, you know, kind of working in this zone of helping nonprofits mm -hmm. for quite a few years. I was with McDonald Schaefer as another consulting firm I worked with. And I got it, actually got this start uh, with Durkin Associates. Uh, who's the guy who brought me into consulting for the first time. Okay. So the organization that you were with before Nonprofit Academy of Wisconsin, what happened to them? Where'd they go? Uh, the Nonprofit Center has dissolved after 40 long years of doing wow. some great work supporting grassroots organizations and then ultimately moving into supporting the whole sector in Milwaukee and the greater Milwaukee area. It just was financially un unsustainable and was not able to be revived. Okay. So they finally closed it um, about a year ago. Okay. And then here now we have the Nonprofit Academy of Wisconsin. So what what's the mission of the Academy? Um, our mission is to strengthen the nonprofit sector. And we're, when I'm talking about that, we're talking about working with the individual organizations to make them strong and help them stay strong. But we also want to work on the sector as a whole and to ensure that the sector receives the kind of trust that the other two sectors, the for-profit and the public sector, receive and are brought more into the table and, and given the respect that uh, the organizations deserve. So we want to try to work on the sector as well as on the individual organizations, if that makes sense. So, so the organization that is defunct now after 40 years now we have something similar and more rich and robust. Hopefully we'll get there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So over 53,000 nonprofits in our 72 counties. Why are you creating another one? Well, uh, I don't think that there are too many nonprofits. I've never believed that. Um, I think it's all part of the entrepreneurial spirit. When people want to create a new organization, like Laura, you spoke with her just now, mm -hmm. and you heard her story, and she saw something, and just that entrepreneurial spirit kicks in. And the passion. And the passion. Yeah. And she creates the organization. So I never want to say, no, don't create that nonprofit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're being entrepreneurial as well. And 
that uh, issue of uh, wanting to take organizations and make them strong and keep them strong is, I don't know, a story if I may be able to tell one um, mm -hmm. if we have the moment. Um, sure. An organization that I worked with a number of years ago, and it was a very, very beautiful organization. I'll keep some names out of it. Um, and it was working with older adults, um, all of whom were indigent in some way, shape, or form and were on state aid. And they, these are older adults who needed to live in an older adult home and mostly of color. And the organization that, I'm work, that I was working with was actually located in a central city neighborhood. And the older adults were housed in actual older homes. So here they were being treated also by people from their neighborhood, in their neighborhood, in a real home. And they were being given this wonderful level of care. An example is... A gentleman whose family lived far away were actually was actually living there and started dying, and the family couldn't get there in time. So the staff gathered around and became his family, mm. and they kept a vigil with him every t every night, all day long. Somebody was constantly with him from the staff, and they were not being paid overtime to do this. Uh, one of the staff members was an ordained minister and so did a service at his bedside and the whole team were singing. Mm, wonderful. And finally he passed away quietly and peacefully and the family were forever thankful. They yeah. arrived the next day and realized what the care. So the level of care at this place was not the issue. This was a beautiful organization doing great work. But over the years of management, the... Um, over the years of running it, the management had gotten away from the organization somehow, and they had started making mistakes. And by the time we heard about it, my friend and I were brought in and asked to see if we could help. It was probably past helping. Mm. And so wouldn't there have been a nice idea to get in there while that organization was strong yeah. and help them stay strong, help them learn how to continue the good management and not begin to make the mistakes that they were making? And that's really the concept behind the academy is to really be intentional about your management and learning about how to be a good operation mm -hmm. and then begin to implement a very intentional plan to keep yourself strong. Mm. Yeah, we talk about, uh, I had mentioned in the lead into the segment about you working with organizations so that they can be the best that they can be, yeah. so they can provide the best to whatever population or, or uh, group that they're servicing. And it's not so much about trying to, well, we need to save some organizations that are failing. You know, absolutely, there have been, you know, some ones in the headlines recently, you know, an organization that everybody loved that is now gone. And so, yeah, it would have been great if we could get in there and, and help that organization, but I'd almost rather get in with the organizations like Laura's now when she's still robust and still growing and help her put all the right things into place so that as this organization builds, it's going to be sustainable. Yeah, and everybody, every organization needs that. Uh, and you are actually working with Laura yeah. at, at Heroes for Healthcare. Yeah, yeah. so that's wonderful. Um, there are many large profits that have internal resources for education and support. Support. Smaller, again, organic grassroots ones don't yep. have that that uh, uh, capability or that that option. What what is the need that you're addressing then, and how is that different from any other educational program? Uh, with the demise of the nonprofit center, the gap that we're seeing, and I believe that Laura talks about a gap, so maybe you can call this the gap episode. Yeah. <laughs> the gap that's happening uh, in our world is that there's no. There's a bunch of consultants, but um, who is helping nonprofit organizations learn? 
So there's the Helen Bader Institute for Nonprofit Management at UWM. It's mm-hmm. a wonderful program. Uh, you can get a degree there. You can get a non-degree certificate. Um, so as far as professional dimension, or d- pardon me, professional development mm-hmm. of the individuals who work in the sector, that's a wonderful addition to our, our community. And they do great work and great research there. There's also a non-degree program out of UW Continuing Education, uh, in the Grand Avenue, there's a wonderful program there, but that's all about personal professional development, and I'm wanting to talk about organizational development. Okay. How do the organizations learn what they need to learn in order to be strong and robust? Mm, okay. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, Rob is going to share with us his value proposition on why nonprofits should come to the academy. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG, Milwaukee's philanthropic community, with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to Milwaukee's philanthropic community, brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach, and Rob Meeksons from the Nonprofit Academy of Wisconsin is joining me here in the studio today. By the way, before we go any further, thanks for getting my last name close to right. Oh. <laughs> close to right. Yeah, so it's Meeksons. Meeksons. Yeah. Okay. It's actually okay. in the act of making sense. Oh, there you go. That's a good way to remember it. <laughs> okay. So you have the floor now, Rob. Give us your value proposition. Tell us. Tell us why nonprofits should come to a workshop at the Academy. Well, um, one of the basic things that we're creating with the Nonprofit Academy is what I call, and I use the word intentional a lot, we're creating an intentional curriculum, an intentional approach to organizational training and development. When um, I have been a consultant for a long time and working at the Nonprofit Center and even at BoardStar, have realized that there maybe some really wonderful workshops that are out there and consultants are doing wonderful things. But as the publisher of Nonprofit Quarterly wrote once, we have great consultants, but what are we consulting them to? Mm-hmm. Where are we heading the nonprofits and what is all this consulting based on? We had that at the Nonprofit Center too. We had a wonderful education program, but it was kind of haphazard. And we would ask the facilitators, what is the next thing you want to teach? Instead of having a core curriculum that we could build the education program on. So we started doing some research, and what we found is this there's a number of models of competencies for nonprofit organizations around the country, and one that we really, really liked comes out of the Maryland Association for Nonprofits, and it's called the Standards for Excellence. So when you come to a workshop at the Nonprofit Academy, you're going to use you're going to find that that the standards for excellence are the the basis the foundation for the workshops that being that are being offered but then on top of that that's just the theory and what we put on top of that is a, a seasoned practitioner somebody who's been in the sector who's done the work and is telling you how that theory actually plays out in the real world so we're dealing with the practicality, we're dealing with the theory, but also with the real-world application of it. And that's the value proposition that you're getting. So so the standards of excellence come out of the Maryland? Maryland? Yeah, Maryland Association for Nonprofits. They were created back, I believe it was 1998, when there was a, a scandal that had happened there. It was called the William Aramony scandal. And... 
they realized that a lot of trust had been lost in the nonprofit sector in the mid-Atlantic states and wanted to do something to rebuild that trust. And the thing that they came up with is to create these standards. And they had about 12,000 volunteer hours from practitioners, from people in the sector, from theoreticians, from academicians, all coming together and working on developing this code of what it looks like for a nonprofit to be effective. What are the expectations they and we should have of them? And they've developed it into the standards of ex for excellence. Pardon me. And um, it's been reiterated twice since then. And it's now nationally recognized. There are many, many states that have replicating partners. You can actually become accredited in the standards for excellence. You can mm. become certified. Okay. And, uh, you know, watchdog organizations like things like um, GuideStar, which is a website that oversees effective, well, they, you know, review nonprofits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's a, they, they recognize it. They give you a little check mark right. if you become accredited. That's something that Wisconsin does not have. We've never brought anything like that to this state. Um, so that's one of the things that we're trying to accomplish is to bring this model here so that you, nonprofits can use it as a lens. It's not the be-all and end-all. It's not that you have to do this in order to be effective. Right. But, but you want to get to those nonprofits before they reach that point, like that one down in the inner city you were talking about. Right. Before they reach their demise, you want to get to them to make them be more successful and, again, be the best that they can be for and the to, population they serve. And to pay attention to themselves. You know, we talk about nonprofit, we talk about for-profit organizations investing in their growth and doing research and development and whatever. So this is a nonprofit version of that. Let's look at you. Let's have a look at yourself and look at yourself through the lens of these standards and then decide what are the things that you need to work on in order to be able to maintain your strength mm -hmm. and to become even stronger going forward. And you and I had talked about potential ways that we could work together. And in the past, we have brought in speakers uh, for like an afternoon session that we offer our nonprofits so they can, again, learn. One of the uh, recent ones was uh, Deb DeSandro, who came in and, and talked to the nonprofits about how they can tell their story. Uh, yeah, which is, a beautiful idea, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's important because they're out talking to people all the time with the goal, hopefully, <laughs> of increasing awareness and, and uh, um, you know, just getting people interested and possibly donating to their cause. Well, every board director needs to be able to tell the story of their organization. They need to be able to talk for at least 15 minutes yeah, about yeah. their organization. So we had talked about maybe, uh, you know, there's an opportunity for, for us to bring you in to offer some additional education for We'd the nonprofits. And you had shown me this... Um, Assessment. Uh, there you go. Uh, of of what uh, you would be able to talk to the nonprofits about, and so, you know, that might be an area. But that was that came from the standards for excellence, right? Yeah, there is an organizational self assessment that would be wonderful to take or to take nonprofits through. Um, it's a you know a, probably a half day long, something like that, or maybe four hours, and we can walk through what are in the standards, what do they actually contain. What do they mean in terms of practical application? And then at various stages, as we end a particular domain of the st that are part of the standards, the organizations that are participating start going through the measures that are listed in this assessment, the measures of success, mm -hmm. and saying, do we think we're hitting that or not? And then as you go through this whole assessment, you begin to realize, no, this is a priority area for us. Maybe it's our board of directors need to be... 
have a more diverse look to them, and that's something we really want to pay attention to over the coming months Mm -hmm. so that we're more reflective of the community that is being served. And maybe people don't even realize the areas where they need help, right? Well, I hate to say this. One of my catchphrases about nonprofits is I actually don't like self-assessment. I like facilitated assessment. Okay. Uh, So we'd want to do this to help the nonprofits think these things through because number one, nonprofits don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. And number two, nonprofits lie to themselves. Uh, We tell stories about ourselves to ourselves. And sometimes you need that objective eye on you to say, you know, that's not true. Okay. (laughs) You're you're not telling yourself the truth about that one. So now if there's a nonprofit uh, out there listening and they want to find out more about the Academy and what you offer, they just go to a website or they, how do they reach out? Our website is still under construction. Um, it's there. It exists. Um, it's N-P-A-W-I, so Nonprofit Academy of Wisconsin. Okay. Dot org. So N-P-A-W-I dot org. Okay. Um, they can come to a happy hour that we have every month. Uh, it's generally on the third Thursday of the month. Currently, we're doing it at Art Bar. And uh, five doing it where at Art Bar, Art Bar, okay, which is in River West. At okay, it's Tuesday night, so it's two for one, and <laughs> <laughs> and you can come and it's just a general conversation. So meet us, meet each other in the sector, and you know, share stories, complain, say what you need to say. Um, in a happy hour type of environment, <laughs> or they can email us and we would love to, we, we um, have a commitment to responding within 24 hours. So if you have a question, if you have a concern, if you need some help or just want to learn a little bit more about us, um, do info at npawi.org okay. Okay. and we will respond as quickly as possible. So even if you have something where you need some help immediately, we'd love to be able to respond. Okay. Do you guys have a Facebook page? We do. Um, Is that under construction as well just right now? Right now it's actually listing the workshops that we have and the happy hours that are coming up. So yeah, it's there. Well, okay. So there's, uh, again, we can't possibly cover everything uh, that there is to talk about and ways that you benefit the nonprofits, but uh, our goal is to just plant a seed and, and get the curiosity going so people can go and find out more information. So thank you, Rob, for helping us understand a little more about the nonprofit community and, and the different ways that you can help uh, these nonprofits be the best that they can be. Thanks very much for uh, letting me talk about this. Um, I also want to just do a shout out to the philanthropic community that we'd like them to pay attention to this as well, because mm-hmm. the nonprofits that want to go through this need to be able to pay for it. Okay. They need to be able to invest in themselves. Mm-hmm. So the philanthropic community has an opportunity here to help invest in the organizations they believe in okay. by giving them the money to do the capacity building that they need to do. There you go. I think there's your call to action, right? That's the one. Absolutely. Well, again, I want to thank uh, my guests today, Laura Hanaski from Heroes for Healthcare and Rob Mixons from the Nonprofit (laughs) Academy of Wisconsin. Thanks so much again for all that you guys do. And thanks for doing this show just to be able to talk about nonprofits. This is wonderful. You're welcome. You're Mm -hmm. welcome. If you'd like further information about what we talked about today, you can email me at jill at allenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262-691-3200. And if you're not in the car or you don't have access to a radio, there's a number of ways uh, that you can still tune into the show. You can use your laptop or your tablet and go to newstalk1130.com or you can download the iHeartRadio app. You can even ask Alexa to play WISN AM 1130. If you happen to miss a show, you can visit our website at ellenbecker.com to listen to previously aired interviews. 
Join us next Sunday morning to learn more about some great people and great nonprofits that are doing great things in our community. Find a way to be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a great day.